I'm excited about the state of our church. I believe with all of my heart that our church is healthy and that it is growing and that although 2016 was a great year, 2017 is going to be even better than that. Now, it may sound a little bit like a pep talk, but I'm telling you, I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me a pep talk. 2016, how many of you had challenges in 2016? All right. How many of you wish you didn't have any challenges in 2017? That would be all of us, right? It'd be nice if we could just get a few days, a few months, a year of smooth sailing. But I tell you what, regardless of what will happen, God is still going to be on the throne. And I am proud to say that the state of our church is healthy and consistently improving. So I believe that we're right where we should be in many areas. And like I said, it is the state of the church address. If you're a guest with us today, please bear with us. This is kind of like for the home crowd, I guess you would say. Um, Next week, we start a new series on worship. And we're really excited about that, the postures of worship and what we see in scripture about what God wants from us in worshiping him. But today, we're taking care of business. Amen? So... I believe we're right where we should be in many areas, but you know that every individual and every organization on this planet, including you and including our church, has areas where we could improve. I'll never forget a meeting with one of my top-level managers, I was an underling at the time. I was a minion at the time. I was working in a, finance, uh, in a financial company and there were some strong drives for sales and there were some strong drives for customer service and there were some strong pushes in all these different directions. And I'll never forget the tactful way that she delivered bad news to me. So I was sitting in and I was getting a review of my performance and we're talking through some things. And she said, Dexter, you are doing awesome in this area and you're doing awesome in this area. I'm so excited. We've seen new customers. We've got this, we've got that. It is so awesome. And you know what? Before you go, I just wanted to share with you one thing that I think would be an area where you could probably improve a little bit. And that area is, and I was like, wait, Did she just tell me I'm horrible at my job? She did in that one area, but she was really tactful about it. And I'll never forget those words. I know for me and for you, we all need to hear that tough love from time to time to know that we need improvement in some area of our life. If I asked you to think about that right now, could you come up with at least one area that you need improvement Yeah. Okay. Some people are shouting. Yes, I've got it. I got a top 10. Um, It's definitely important. So one of the stark differences between healthy churches and churches that are in decline is that we actively work to improve the areas that are weak. I'm really thankful for Justin Strickler and for others who have helped building this platform. Um, we built an extension on here and we've done a lot of work. Uh, it's been a lot of man hours. One of the things that we noticed though, can everybody look down where my feet are? You see this little rectangle right here? We noticed after we finished everything and screwed and bolted and nailed and everything, when we stood there, there was this creek and the plywood would sink. It was a weak spot. And I thought, man, before we put carpet on this, we better shore up all those weak areas because we want it to last for 20 years until somebody else comes in and goes, what were they thinking? Let's rip this carpet out and put new carpet in. That was a weak area. And we need shoring up in the weak areas of our church 
and of our own life. I fully trust that the Holy Spirit has already invaded this room today and been sharing with you things, even while we worshiped and sang, things of encouragement and things of challenge. When I asked you what area of your life, all of you who started saying yes, you know that area. That's because it's an area that you need God's help in. So don't try to do it by yourself. Don't try to do it by yourself. This would not be done without Megan's husband, Justin. I would have tried it by myself and I would have failed miserably, all right? His craftsmanship is what helped. His tools is what helped. So we're better together. Are you getting that picture this morning? So one of the differences between a healthy church and a church in decline is that we're actively analyzing those areas and we're going, hey, wait a second. I think this is a little bit weak and it needs to be shored up. And that's what this serves the purpose of today. But I do say this as well. Healthy churches are hard-working churches. And we are a small church that's growing, which still requires all hands on deck. I'm so thankful. College students, would you just wave at me? If you're in college, anybody here today? Look at this. Give them a round of applause. Many of them knew what they were getting into to when they came to this church. Some of them didn't. But we're really thankful. Uh, somehow they keep showing back up. No, we're really thankful for Pastor Cameron's wife, Becca, who's been leading the charge, and Caroline, uh, who helped start the charge of Chi Alpha and the ministry that we have at Mississippi College. It's been an, a life-giving flow for our church to be at the place where we could have young life coming in and filling this place. That is what a healthy church looks like, but it's also a hardworking church. So when they got here and when they've been here for a little bit, what did we say, Maggie? We said, hey, would you like to help out? Have you, have you thought about serving and using your gifts? Because it requires hard work and it requires all hands on deck. I will say this, clear as a bell. I'm thankful for all of you in this room today who put in the hard work. I really am proud to pastor a church like this that puts in the hard work. And this, I will say, if the shoe fits and you say, hmm, maybe I'm not putting in the hard work, then allow that to be something, the impetus that leads you to say, hey, I'm gonna pitch in in some area, in some way, in some ministry in the church. We have to remember that perfection is not our aim. Perfection's not our aim. It's not our aim in our own strength as believers in our spiritual life. It's not our aim as a church. What is our aim is consistent, healthy growth. That's what it's all about. It's about us consistently adapting and moving in the right direction and saying, hey, wait a second, I feel like we're going in the wrong direction. Wait, let's just gauge around us. Okay, let's start in this direction. It's about course correction all the way throughout our life. And the same should be of us, should be said of us as believers in our personal life. Consistent, healthy growth is what we want. So in 2016, we did that. We were not perfect, and we will not be perfect until God makes us perfect. But we have been striving to maintain consistent growth, and it seems to be working. I'm really excited that we're putting our hands to the tools, to the plow, and the job is getting done. 
new believers in this past year came to faith in Christ in this very room. We're so thankful for that. We're thankful that we hosted a water baptism service and we had a water baptistry pulled in here. It's on wheels and we rolled it in. We could roll it out, okay? Um, but we can, we, I'll turn it on today if you want to. If you're a believer and you've come to faith in Christ and not yet been water baptized, we want to baptize you in water. It's a profession of your faith and a declaration of what God has done in your life. But we've done that this year. We added new members to the church Many of you in this room have become members in this last year. Give yourselves a round of applause. I'm really, really thankful. And we have more in the waiting. We just did Starting Point, and we hosted it with a a handful of other people who are interested and already jumping in to what membership is here in the church. We reached out last year into specific neighborhoods. Many of you were part of that back in February when we had a guest speaker here, Alan Mormon. We again participated in community events like sponsoring the Kids Zone at the 4th of July uh, here in Clinton. We've added leaders to ministries in every area. I've not done it alone. I'm talking about people in this room who have added leadership. The capacity of leadership in our family has grown this year. So instead of it just bearing down on one individual's shoulders, now the weight is getting spread across several. And I hope that that continues to grow and exceed our expectation. I'm thankful for that. So thankful. We now, Becca's not in this room, she's serving today, but I have her in my notes here. We now have our very own homegrown campus missionary and pastor to Mississippi College, and that's Becca Lambert. Give her a round of applause. Make it loud so she can hear it. This is what it's all about, and we are going to push and push, not for pastor's dream to come true, not for Pastor Cameron's dream to come true, Not for Jericho, our worship leader, or Meg, our ministry coordinator, or anyone in any certain area, their individual dream to come true. But we are pledging to push forward to see God's dream come true for our church. If I could hit at two things before we move into Ephesians chapter 4, which is the preaching aspect of the message. um, Let me say this. Let me say three things. The first is... My wife deserves a round of applause. She puts up with me. No, really. You may not have, and I'm pretty sure, you may not have the best pastor in the world, but I am certain you do have the best first lady in the world. She is incredible. I love you too, sweetheart. Um, She single-handedly has been used by God in order to invite people, in order to grow in relationship with women in the church, in order to develop certain areas of ministry. I'm so thankful that she's my better half. The second thing is this, or the the last two things before we move into Ephesians chapter four is this. If you say to me, hey, pastor, if you, being the top-level leader in the church, could spot and say, hey, wait a second, where is that area of weakness? I would tell you there are two areas of weakness in our church. The one area is very important and it's pivotal for you to understand. And that area is the area of us making a personal invitation to others outside of this church. I read something recently and it challenged me There was a story that's told and it's this guy who's been invited and invited and invited to church. 
And the gentleman who's been invited and invited and invited to church and the other guy is just persevering and he's like, hey, you know what? We're having a special at Easter. Would you come? Hey, we're having a special picnic. Would you come? Hey, would you? And he keeps on doing that sort of thing and invites and invites. And you know what the one young man said to the other guy? He said, you keep inviting me to your church, but I've never been to your house. And it was this moment where it was like, ooh, (laughs) There's this moment of if we're, not, if we're not being good neighbors and sharing our faith in a real way, but we're just expecting the guy on the stage to do the job, that's really bad. We are not as strong as we should be or could be in that area. For that, I say, listen, do not, right now, don't start defending your own, but I've shared my faith this year, but I invited someone to church. That's okay, and that's good, but keep on pushing forward. And if you haven't, I would challenge you to do so. The second area that we could shore up is our finances. The finances of a small church that's growing in people, but not yet growing financially, there's a little bit of tension there. We have done analysis and we've used uh, our leadership. I don't know if you know, but I've got some bosses and I sit with them and we've looked through everything. This past year, we had little of anything done in this building or respect to any ministry that was outside of our budget or that was non-essential. Don't let this sting. It doesn't have to. I know that there are people in the room who are not tithing. Who you are, I don't know because I don't know what each individual gives to this church, but I do know that based on the amount of people that we have, we should have a little bit more of a cushion. So I'm going to challenge you to dig deep into the word of God, not even your pocketbook. Don't try to write a $1,000 check today unless it's not gonna bounce. If it won't bounce, then write it and put it in the box, okay? But nobody laughs when pastors make financial jokes. Why not? You guys are so uptight. So here's what I wanna tell you. If you've fallen down and not tithed this year, last year, make the commitment to tithe faithfully this year. You cannot use the excuse that you don't have the tools to do it. We have families in our church who use an online bill pay system that actually prints a check and mails it to us. We offer the ability for you to text to give. You can give and you can set up reoccurring payments on our website to give your regular tithes and offering. So we want to encourage you to do that. Not because I am lacking or because I need a raise. Do you understand me? It's not that at all. And if you've got that opinion, I'm really sorry the one or two percent that have ruined it for all of us. But stewardship's all throughout the Bible. God gives and he gives generously and he requires something back. So dig deep into the word of God and find out what it is he's calling you to do because he wants some of your money, but not all. Figure it out. And I'm going to help you this year. Figure it out. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. God lays out a framework for healthy churches. Go with me to chapter 4 verse 11. It says this. And he himself, talking of God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Listen to me, church. Look up at me for a minute. Last week's message was about the perfection that's available 
through Christ. He is perfect. And this is what Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. And he's telling them, until we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, continue reading, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That way, when you're seen, Christ is seen. Whether you're looking at yourself or others are looking at you, they see Christ Verse 14 says this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is a rich passage. The first thing I want to point out to you, starting in verse 11, is that it's important for you to know God desires a healthy church, and he established a clear protocol, a clear process, a clear leadership pattern in order for this to occur. The church is its healthiest when leaders are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. The people in ministry offices or positions of leadership are not supposed to be doing all the work. I joke when I go out to lunch with some of you Everybody looks at me as if I get paid to pray over the lunch, you know, like, hey, you're the pastor. You get, you know, I know you don't think like that. You're like, okay, let's just honor him and allow him to pray over the food. But sometimes I want to know that you know how to pray. So you pray over the food, right? Because I want to be equipping you for the work of the ministry. I want to be helping you to mature in your faith. If I'm not, then I'm not doing my job. My job and that of all those in church leadership is to give every believer the tools that are necessary for the working of the ministry. I gotta tell you, this might just change your life if you can grab a hold of this and understand. It's not about a show on Sunday. It's not about what you put in the offering plate that pays the pastor. It's about you doing the work of the ministry. And when you get here, you receive the tools. You hear how to practice doing the ministry. And you go out into this world and be the light. And then we reconvene on a weekly basis and we grow a little bit more. If you haven't joined us on a Wednesday night, it's awesome. You ought to be here. You're missing out. Be here. Be here on Wednesday night whenever you can. Be here on Sunday. And then for God's sake, put it into practice. I've said it recently, and this comes with all the love, but it also comes from that northeastern sort of brashness. Don't show back up here next week if you haven't read your Bible. You like that, sister? She did. Yes. Amen. That's what she meant to do. Amen. Don't show back up here. College students, I know you're busy, but put your nose, not in the textbook, put your nose in the word of God. It'll help you conquer relationship issues, financial issues. It'll help you throughout your entire life. And it's not just for them. It's for you too. It's for everyone in between, every age. 
So I say that as clear as I can. And if I don't see you next week, I'll think you either got a job that requires you to work on Sundays or you chose not to read your Bible, okay? (laughs) So please be here next Sunday and join us, okay? All All you have to do is read a little bit. If you're busy, let it read to you. I'm a little bit lazy, and I'm fast sometimes, and I'm walking. I've got my ear pods in, and I'm listening. I'm listening to the Word of God giving me Scripture. I'm listening to some guy with a British accent that sounds really cool reading to me. And James chapter 5. Do it however you can. Do it. You got that? Listen. When this happens, when we're talking about me doing my job, the leaders in our church doing their job to equip you for the work of the ministry, when this happens, the body of Christ gets reinforced and grows stronger. That's the key and that's the point. Verse 13 to 16 tells us that the purpose of this growth is spiritual unity and spiritual maturity. There's no room for pride in the body of Christ. This is not about, well, guess what? I've figured this out in this area and I just wanna show you how it works. We don't have that attitude. If you have that attitude, you're not allowed to have that attitude around here. Don't bring it in this door and taint what we got going, all right? We are not allowing that because we, it creeps in so easily. But if we can all acknowledge that we are works in progress and we're in need, of a God who's perfect, then we can keep doing this. We can keep growing the body of Christ. We can keep expanding and outreach into our community. Where unity is lacking, so is maturity. That's exactly what he says in verses 13 to 16. And where maturity is present, so there is also unity. They are inseparable. I've been in some churches that have had some problems. You know what their real problem is? They're a bunch of babies. I'm telling you, if you've ever been in a place where there was a church fight or there was disagreement, people were at odds and things started happening and dominoes started falling. If you've ever seen that, somewhere there's babies who are not spiritually mature. We have got to understand that where unity is lacking, so is maturity. And you know what? I thank God that I'm not preaching to you today about shutting up a fight or stopping a fight because we are being matured all the time. And I say that with a pastor's pride, with a good godly pride, that I'm glad that we don't have a bunch of those little me, 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 going on. And listen, you've got a job to do. If you hear that stuff, Squash it. Squash it like the cockroach it is. Don't come to me and bring your problem to me about what so-and-so said about whatever. I don't need to mediate. I've given you the tools. You have the word of God. Figure it out. We'll figure it out together. But we've got to be at that place. So I'm thankful that today I'm not shouting at you, telling you to stop fighting. Because there is a lot of spiritual maturity in this house. I am thankful for that. Let me say it again. Unity and maturity are inseparable. You have to understand that immature believers are not stable. 
Those who are immature are easily ensnared by false teachers and false teaching. If you want to follow along, I'm gleaning from that same passage all of these thoughts that those who are immature are easily snared. Listen to what it says in verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Without the personal knowledge of God's word and the basic teachings of Christianity, we cannot recognize false teaching. That's why I implore you to read the word of God for yourself. We don't live in the dark ages. You have access literally on a device to every translation of the Bible in the world. It's incredible what we can do in today's day and age. And it's sad that we still have believers who choose not to read the word. But your personal knowledge of God's word and the basic teachings of Christianity is how we stop and recognize false teaching. If not, then we unwittingly follow teachers and, and teachings that sound reasonable, reasonable, but they're contrary to the sound doctrine of the word of God. Listen, we failed as a general church, general big C church around the world, but specifically in America in the 80s with the false pretense that you could come and get rich quick. That you could just, if you could just give a thousand dollars today, God's going to give you a million in a matter of days. If you could just, it's a fallacy. It's not true. It's an errant doctrine, but many people bit into it because they were being tossed to and fro and they didn't have the maturity, the roots growing down deep. Verse 15 contrasts the instability of an immature believer with the stability of those whose lives are built solidly on the foundation of Christ. It says there, you may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And then verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Listen to what it says. By what every joint supplies. You're part of the supply chain of this church. In your time, in your talent, in your finance, in your reaching out to your neighbors, you're part of the supply chain. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. And if its parts don't do its share, it goes in decline. That's why I say what I say, and some might take it as a spanking, but I'm trying to shore up the areas of weakness where we could benefit. Did you know, and I'm telling you, you college students, I'm proud of them. There are college students in here that barely make it on additional income, and yet we see tithes from these young people. That's incredible. That's what it's about, growing up into maturity. And I tell you what, if you start tithing on 20, you can then tithe on 200. And then when 200 becomes 2,000 and then 200,000 and so on and so forth, you continue to trust God with a little and you go forward and grow down deep into what he wants you to. So listen to what it says. Every part does its share and it causes the growth of the whole body for the edifying of itself or the building of itself up in love. The church is an active agent 
in its own maturity. Matthew chapter seven, go there with me. It's the last passage that I'll make you turn to today. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 to 27. Jesus is talking and you may be familiar with the passage. He's talking about the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Listen to what he says in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. How you start matters. The foundation that you lay matters. And there's still time to correct it. We're a work in progress and you're just like this stage. All it takes is a little bit of work. It might take a little cutting. Are you getting that with your spiritual ears today? It might take a little support of others with a two by four. It may take something, but then some screws go in and reinforce it. That's what it's all about. There's hope today. I want you to hear that. Listen to what verse 26 says. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The modern concept that we have of paying someone to build a house for us is not the people who Jesus was talking to. In those days, if you wanted a house, you had property from your family, and you went out and you built a house. I'm thanking God for power tools and pneumatic drills and things like that that are air compressed and, and driven that way because I can't imagine building a log cabin in Pennsylvania or building a house anywhere in the world and trying to get it right and to do it all by hand. These are the people that Jesus is talking to and if we're not careful, you and I both may take our American modern concept of me paying someone to build my house for me and apply it to this scripture. I want you to listen to me. Physically then and spiritually still, you are responsible to build your own house. So you can't pay me to build your house. Are you getting that this morning? I'm not the builder. You are. Christ is the builder and he does that work in you if you allow him to lay down the foundation and help you, but you can't pay me to build your house. Can I tell you something more? You can't build the house that you want to the way you want to either. You can't take stuff from this religion and from that religion and mesh them together. You can't have secular ideology and mesh it with godly biblical theology. It won't work. So you can't even build a house for yourself the way that you might want to. You must build it according to God's specifications. The most important tool in your belt for your house individually and for this one as a church is the word of God. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, you can write it down, go there if you want to. It says all scripture in verse 16 is given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the way you get equipped. So I'm trying to help you to do a better job in your own life and trying to help you cohesively as a whole in our church to do a better job together if we would have our focus be the word of God. Recently, towards the end of 2016, I began to ask God, lead me, Lord, help me to understand what you want for our church the way forward. The good news is I believe with all of my heart and I am certain that he spoke to me. The bad news is, is what he spoke to me will require hard work. And it'll require a concerted effort. But the best news of all of that is, is that it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Amen? So we've got to understand that God's word clearly says that we should not tire out while doing good for in due season we'll reap if we don't lose heart. So the Holy Spirit's been telling me for Celebrate Church that 2017 is a year for us to focus on maturity. That doesn't mean that if you're immature, we'll kick you out. It means that we will help you mature. And you know how sometimes you, you might remember your teenage years and that growth process of maturity? It's difficult. Sometimes it comes with friction. Sometimes it comes as a result of bad experience and learning the hard way. But maturity comes in different ways. And when it comes to the house of God, that pleases God. So in 2017, we're focused on it being a year of maturity, maturity in every sector of our ministry. God's desire is for us as every believer would be consistently maturing and his church will be achieving new heights as a result of that if we could just all focus on that. So you need to know the right, you need to have the right knowledge or the right tools, but the rest is up to you. Please don't count on Sunday being like the Home Depot guy who's given a class on DIY stuff, okay? It's not. It's a time for us to come together and to be encouraged and to be equipped, but it can't be the only thing. You've got to go home today with a tool you bought that you're going to put into practice, that you're going to commit to serve, that you're going to commit to give, that you're going to commit to invite and to build the body of Christ. We're not a perfect church, but we're working hard to remain a healthy church, and to see God's dream for our church come true. This past year, we've reached out a little bit into our community, but I'm scared that if we don't reach out more, we'll end up being totally inward focused and we'll be dysfunctional, we'll be diseased, we'll be unhealthy, and we'll have to go through a long healing process once that cancer is taken out. So we've got to now make a concerted effort together to say, this year I'm going to focus on the other people. This year I'm not going to elevate my preference before other people. This year I'm going to invite people. This year I'm going to. All of it has to do with hard work. 